0: Welcome on Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we are studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today is episode 119. We're looking at John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. This is the passage of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Now, this is an interesting passage aside from just the, the passage itself and the storyline it, it teaches but where it is in the placement of the Gospel of John. Among scholars who study these things, there is essentially universal agreement that it doesn't go here. It doesn't fit in the, the flow. If you take this passage 1 through 11 out and just go directly from the end of chapter 7 to John eight twelve it flows. Or this just seems to be stuck in here. And then the problem is that the oldest manuscripts of the Gospel of John that have been found do not have this passage in it. Some older manuscripts uh, contain it in different places in the Gospel of John and some even have it in the Gospel of Luke. So There is essentially universal agreement among scholars that it doesn't go here. Now, the debate is then, where does it go? And some people like to actually put it into the Gospel of Luke. Others pull it out together and say, this is not reliable. This probably isn't inspired Bible. But most think it is. Most say, yes, we believe this is the inspired word of God. We just think it's out of place here. So many Bible commentaries will skip from chapter seven, verse fifty-two to chapter eight, verse twelve, and then include this as an appendix. What do we do with this? Is is this even Bible? And most agree, yeah, we think it is. It seems because of a variety of reasons. One, just the language, the subject matter. And it probably wouldn't have been invented later on just because of the subject nature. The Christian church was very moral and very judgmental about any kind of sexual immorality. So the idea that they would have come up with something like this where Jesus shows mercy on someone guilty of sexual immorality is highly unlikely after the first couple hundred years of of Christianity. Secondly, the... There's a church leader named Papius who lived, he was born about uh, 60 AD, lived about 140. So he was a generation behind Jesus, essentially. But he still had a lot of overlap with a lot of Christian leaders. And he said he spent a lot of his time interacting with the church leaders that were still around, who lived during the time of Jesus, collecting their stories, hearing their firsthand accounts. And he wrote a lot of it down. Trouble is, we don't have it. We've lost that. But Eusebius, who lived around 300 A.D., was a church historian, and he had a lot of uh, information from Papias. And one of them that he talks about, Eusebius says that Papias talked about Jesus dealing with this woman caught in adultery. So it seems that it's a legitimate thing that actually happened, and that's why most uh, scholars say, "Okay, we we this is Bible, this is actual truth," but it. It doesn't really fit here. Some of the problems are the language of it. Just the words that are used begins with talking about the Mount of Olives. Nowhere else does John ever mention the Mount of Olives. The use of a lot of the way prepositions are used and certain words are used just don't fit with John. They fit more with Luke. But it's uh, it's here in the Gospel of John and like I said, most uh, scholars believe it's biblical, but it Probably wasn't written by John, but they don't really know where to put it. But since it's here by tradition, we'll leave it here. Let's read the passage. John 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, This woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him, in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, "Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you?" "No one, Lord," she answered. "Neither do I condemn you," said Jesus. "Go from now on; do not sin any more." Well, this is a for many people's their favorite story in the Bible. It shows Jesus, well, a lot of things. One the mercy of Jesus, but also standing up for what's right and standing his ground against those that were up to evil. So it says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. As I said, uh, nowhere else does John mention the Mount of Olives. And it says, he went to the temple again. People were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Uh, Another point that John never uses the word scribes. He talks about the, uh, the high priests and the Pharisees. So this is the only place in John you find scribes. So what's going on here? They bring this woman. They say she was caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her, stand her before Jesus. If they just want an opinion, they really don't need her. They just say, should say, hey, Jesus, we, we caught this woman in adultery. What do you think we should do? So they're trying to make a spectacle out of this. And we know it because uh, down in verse 6, John says, they asked this to trap him. So they are laid a trap. Some curious things here, like she was caught in the act of adultery. Well, should there be another person involved in this? Doesn't it take two to commit adultery? So where's the guy? Now maybe he escaped as uh, somebody burst in on them. he got away and she didn't. Well, maybe, but we know it's a trap. So perhaps even the whole act of adultery was set up. So what's going on here? Why would somebody set this up and how could they? You know perhaps a, a man knew his wife was being unfaithful and set this up to trap her obviously there's some hostile a lot of hostility toward her they're ready to have her stoned to death here in the public out at the temple so they don't like her too much is the husband in on it and why would he do such a thing well if he thinks his wife's being unfaithful he could divorce her but if she owned property and he divorced her she could keep her property if she died however he gets her property So maybe that's what's going on. So we we know there's something afoot here. There's some things that just aren't right in in all of this. And Jesus recognizes that. So they say in verse 4, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Notice the contrast, the law and you. The law clearly says this. What about you? Do you support the law? This was the challenge by the uh, religious types against Jesus. Is He's violating the law. He's looking down on the law. He thinks he's better than the law. So here's the law of Moses. What about you? Okay, well, some problems here. The, the law does not command us to stone such women. Yes, the penalty for Adultery is death for both of them. So they seem to be conveni- missing part of this. But the law does not command stoning. So they're, they're twisting things. So, and, and then we're told in verse 6, they ask this to trap him in order they might have evidence to accuse him. Okay, they're trying to set up a trap. And whatever he does, he's wrong in, in their eyes. If he says, let's stone her. Well, now they have evidence to accuse him to the Romans. Now, the Romans did not permit this. You know, if they took her to the Romans and said, we caught her in the act of adultery, kill her, they will say, no, the Romans wouldn't have executed her for this. And the Romans would really permit them to execute her for this. Now, if they went ahead and did it, the Romans may or may not actually do anything about it. When in the book of Acts, when Stephen is stoned to death in the street for proclaiming the gospel. Romans didn't do anything about it. So, you know, they didn't get involved in every little thing. They left uh, things pretty much to be run by the Jewish people unless things got out of hand, unless there's a lot of public unrest. Just uh, a group of uh, the, the local elders stoning to death someone, that's not a big deal. But, you know, how did they actually end up getting Jesus executed by the Romans. They said Jesus is trying to create an uprising to not follow the rule of Caesar, claiming that he's the king and people should follow him. And so that was the whole pretext for uh, getting the Romans to execute Jesus at the crucifixion. So they could, if Jesus says, let's stone her, accuse him to the Romans saying, this guy is part of a conspiracy to, to kill people himself, and if the leaders all come to the Romans saying this is a problem, well then the Romans might do something about it. On the other hand, if Jesus says, well, let her go, it's not a big deal, then he's soft on the law, and that's the very thing that the religious leaders are trying to accuse him of is that Jesus doesn't follow the law. So they're trying to find evidence to accuse him, but he didn't answer. Says Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. Now, the word translated as write could also be draw. So he may not actually be writing words. He may be sketching pictures. He may be doodling. We have no idea what he wrote, what he drew. Then, verse 7 When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. They stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. Actually, the law says the witnesses who are testifying, you know, it's the religious leaders here all saying this is going on. It should be witnesses. and this should be an actual trial, not just a public uh, thing in the, in the temple area. There should be witnesses brought forward. And they should say what they saw, and then they should be the first to cast stones. Jesus isn't falling for their their deception here. So back to writing on the ground. What is he writing on the ground? Some say, well, he's writing the sins of the people there. He's uh, listing all the, maybe she is a, a woman who gets around, and he's writing names of all the people who've been with her in the past. You know, we, we don't know. Uh, one, one person suggested he, he's writing Exodus 23, Uh, The second part of verse 1 says, do not join the wicked to be a malicious witness. Perhaps he's writing that. We really don't know, but whatever it is, it it has an effect that with his comment of any of you who are of innocence enough that has no sin, that's the first person to take a stone and kill her. Verse 9, when they heard this, they left one by one starting with the older men. Now it's mentioned, starting with the older men. So is that significant or is it just part of the story? Well, we could speculate on this. Uh, some say the older men have been lived longer and have more sin in the uh, sin bank than others. Others say, well, no, the older men, people look to for leadership. And anything that happens here, the fact that they're there endorsing it, They carry a greater responsibility. Others are saying they've been around longer. They've lived longer. They've got a little more life wisdom. And they recognize when it's really brought out, they recognize this is wrong. And they're not going to participate in it. So the men leave one by one, starting with the older, until eventually nobody is left. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, woman? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Now, he says woman. That's just a way of dress. It, in our language, you speak to someone like that. It sounds rude. But we saw that back at the uh, wedding in Cana. Jesus addressed his mother that way. It's it's not rude. It's just a, a way of, uh, of addressing a woman. No one, Lord, she answered. So there's no one left to condemn her. But Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on do not sin anymore. So Jesus doesn't let her off scot-free. He challenges her. And in fact, their law, their rules, the way they did things uh, in in the Old Testament, it does say you're supposed to warn somebody of their sin. You don't just rush to punish. You warn someone of their sin. And then if they will not repent, will not, then you, you move to punishment. So the fact that they're ready to stone her to death, no indication of any warning, is, is problematic in itself. And that's where Jesus warns her. Okay, you you got mercy this time, but stop. Don't sin anymore. This is an interesting passage. It's uh, just one the history of it, where does it belong? But this is this is classic Jesus at work here he will not play their games he will not be trapped by them he uses their own arguments against them and challenges them as they are challenging him and accusing him of not following the law highlighting the fact that they aren't following the law really it's them who are violating the law and then he brings it back on them what's the status of their hearts why are they even here accusing this woman What he said, along with what he wrote on the ground, obviously had an impact on the people. And they said, yeah, this isn't right. I am not going to be a part of this. Well, this is the episode of The Woman Caught in Adultery. Next time, we'll jump back into the the temple discourse as uh, Jesus continues speaking for the message of God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working our way through the Gospel of John.